You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. J.D. Davis is currently hitting the baseball harder than any player in the game, yet his extra base numbers are nowhere near the top of the league. On today's show, I'm going to go through the curious case of J.D. Davis. In the first segment, we'll talk a little bit about how his season has gone so far and what he's meant to the Mets since he came over in 2019, how he's been one of their better hitters. In the second segment, I want to go through why some of those expected numbers haven't quite translated and really where the value is when it comes to J.D. Davis as a DH for the Mets should he hold on to that role for the remainder of the season. We will then close out the show today with a series preview of what lies ahead against the Milwaukee Brewers this week. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, going through J.D. Davis's season is something that I've been meaning to do for a while because you look at all of these advanced metrics, right? You go to Baseball Savant, and they have the expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, expected WOBA, hard hit percentage. He is putting up some of the best contact in this sport. You look at his numbers overall, and they're just not quite where you would expect them to be based on what the data is telling us. So I wanted to dive in to what he's done, but I also want to talk about what he's been for the Mets since 2019, because anyone who's been listening to this show knows that I have been trying to trade JD Davis on podcasts for literal years now. And the reason I've always been uh, one of JD Davis's strongest critics is because of the glove. That, that is the uh, number one main part of my argument. It's always been about the glove. Uh, last week or maybe a couple weeks ago at this point, I talked about the defensive metrics for J.D. Davis and how if you go back since 2019, he's basically been the worst defender in baseball based on defensive run state. If you factor in the, the amount of runs he's given up based on that metric over the amount of innings he's played, there's really no close second even to how bad he's been defensively. That's just the statistical facts. But you also get the offense – and you can make a case that he's been a top three hitter on the Mets since he came over in 2019. And so if you're just focusing on the bat as a DH, there is a really strong argument to be made that J.D. Davis deserves to be playing every day. Something that I started to bring up about a month ago at this point, I think, and maybe three weeks ago, where the Mets were getting no production from Dom Smith, that they're previously getting no production from Robinson Cano. And we were talking about reverse splits, how J.D. Davis hits righties even better than he hits lefties. Why not get him out there every day? And we've seen a lot of success with that recently. Since May 21st, J.D.'s getting more regular playing time. And over his last 16 games played, you see his his, uh, batting average is only second to Louis Guillaume. 
as well as his on-base percentage and his WRC+. plus. Guillaume leading the Mets in all three of those categories. He's hitting 357, a 403 on base, 482 slugging, a 152 WRC+. Plus. And again, WRC+, plus is way to runs creative plus, measuring hitters based on a league average of 100, so 58 or 56% better than your league average hitter. Also, his BABIP, which is batting average on balls put in play, is 487. So that means that since May 21st, if he's putting the ball in play, about one in every two times, he's getting a hit out of it. Uh, if you go to the sample since 2019, right? I said that he's been arguably a top three hitter on the Mets. Of Mets batters with at least 500 plate appearances dating back to 2019 when the Mets acquired him, JD is second behind only Jeff McNeil in batting average with his 280 average. I think McNeil is uh, 297. His on-base percentage is second to only Brandon Nemo at 369. His 460 slung percentage is second to only Pete Alonzo, and his 128 WRC plus is third behind Alonzo and Nemo. You look at his 10.3 walk rate or 10.3% walk rate, that's fourth behind Nemo, Michael Conforto, and Francisco Lindor. So if it's just coming down to the at-bats you're getting, you talk about professional at-bats, he's given you great at-bats for you know four seasons now. It's always been the glove for me, and now if you can remove that from the equation, maybe he is an answer here. This year, you look at his numbers as a whole, a 263 hitter, a 346 on base, 381 slugging, a 114 WRC+. plus. Not great, but what he's done recently points to um, more success with more playing time, and some of those expected metrics are starting to bear out that we've seen throughout the year. Here's the puzzling thing with J.D. Davis, and I want to talk about a little bit more in the next segment as we try to kind of map out the Mets season at the DH spot. As I said in the intro today, he literally hits the ball harder than any player in this sport this year. His hard hit percentage is 64.6% of the time. Now, hard hit percentage is how many times you hit a baseball over 95 miles per hour. So that is you know, 65% of the time the ball's coming off his bat at 95. That's better than Yoron Alvarez. That's better than Aaron Judge. The difference is Aaron Judge and Yoron Alvarez and someone like Pete Alonzo, as we'll talk about in the next segment, lift the ball a lot more. And so that translates to the extra base hits. Because this year you look at ISO, which is isolated power. A measure of the hitter's raw power that tells you how often a player hits for extra bases. This isn't raw power based on how hard he hits the ball, like hard hit percentage. This is game power. This is essentially taking a player's slung percentage um, and or taking a player's batting average and removing it from their slugging percentage. The equation to get a player's ISO is you take their doubles, you add it to their triples times two, then you add it to their home runs times three, divide it by their at-bats, and that's how you get their ISO. But again, it's basically just removing their batting average from their slug percentage. So this year, J.D. Davis has an ISO of 119. You know where that ranks in baseball? The guy that's hitting the ball harder than anyone. Ranks 212th among hitters with at least 100 plate appearances. That puts him in the company of guys like Nico Horner, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Randall Gritchick. Completely different company than who he's keeping with the hard hit percentage of Jordan Alvarez and Aaron Judge. So I want to talk about in the next segment here why that's the case and does it really matter? Is he still, regardless of the extra base hits or not, the best option to be the Mets DH for the remainder of this season? We're going to get to that in a minute, but this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, 
It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the one brand their warehouse happens to carry, when instead you can shop from hundreds of manufacturers at rockauto.com and save 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same amount of parts you would get at a chain store or new car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliable for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Again, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliable low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So one of the things I've been talking about a lot this year is how J.D. Davis's expected metrics are among the best in the game. His expected batting average of 313 ranks in the 94th percentile among all hitters. His expected slugging percentage of 570 ranks in the 90th percentile among all hitters. You also have his expected weighted on base average, his ex-WOBA, which at 401 is the 90 or in the 96th percentile among all hitters. Now, ex-WOBA is formulated using exit velocity, launch angle, and on certain types of batted balls, sprint speed. It's trying to give you a sense of what a player's value is offensively, okay? An expected weighted on base average. So it's trying to not only give you what they should get on base, but also it's supposed to factor in the value of those on-base appearances, the doubles, the triples, the home runs, all of that. So his expected Woba is extremely high at 401. It's right behind Pete Alonso at 402. Yet we see the impact of those two players. And it's not the same offensively. It's not even close. And the biggest thing you can always point to at Jay Davis is the launch angle. You look at his career, his 8.7 launch angle is nowhere close to Pete Alonso at 15.5. In this season, Alonso's at 19.2, JD's at 9.1. You look at their respective fly ball percentage and ground ball percentages. Davis at 25.6% for his fly ball percentage. Pete Alonso this year, 43%. J.D. Davis's ground ball percentage of 46.3%, uh, way worse than Alonso's at 34.6%. You look at the home run to fly ball ratio. For J.D., it's 9.5%. For Alonso, it's 23.4%. So J.D. simply does not lift. Now, one of the things we've learned this year, though, is you know changing a player might not be the, the best way to get the most out of them. Compared to last season, where the Mets took a player like Jeff McNeil, and, and he was trying to hit the ball harder. He was trying to hit home runs and get extra base hits. And now you've seen this year by just battling the shift. Anytime they shift, what does he say he's going to do? He's going to try to poke a ball through, and it doesn't matter how hard he hits it. He just wants to get on base and get his knocks. J.D. Davis might be a similar player. Now, he's always going to hit the ball hard, but maybe you just have to accept him accept him for what he is as a line drive hitter who you hope can at least turn some of these singles into doubles if he can find some gaps. The problem with finding gaps, though, for J.D. is he hits the ball to center field all the time. Now, in a lot of respects, that's the sign of a good hitter, right? Hit it where, where it's pitched, you know, hit the ball up the middle. That's great, but... 
when you got a center fielder out there, um, you know, when you at times have shifts in place and everything like that, they're playing him exactly where he's hitting it. And so he's hitting the ball so hard. How many times have we seen this year? JD Davis hit a line drive that one hops the center fielder and he's standing on first base with a single. That's what we're seeing a lot. And you look at where he's hitting the baseball 41.5% of the time. It's the center field. He's only pulling the ball 36.6% of the time. Let's just think about, uh, you know, how home runs travel and how ballparks are made up. It's a lot harder to go yard to dead central than it is to pull the baseball. Pete Alonzo, who's hitting his home runs, is pulling the ball 47.5% of the time. He's only going with the middle 29.6% of the time. So if you're trying to take J.D. Davis's expected value with how hard he hits the ball and what that should translate into, you have to also think about the type of player he is and where that contact is really ending up. And right now it's line drives to center fielders, which is great when they fall. It's not great when they're caught. And I think that's why early in the season, he was hitting into so much bad luck just simply because of where he hits the baseball. Now, I don't know how to change it. Do you tell JD to change who he is as a hitter and pull the ball um, and lift the ball more? I don't know if he can really make those changes and be successful. I think that JD Davis might just be a guy that hits over 300 when he's at his best and only slugs, you know, 420 or something like that because he's just not going to get those extra base hits. But considering where the Mets have been this season at DH, I don't think that that's really a problem. I mean, you look at what they got from Robinson Cano early, from Dominic Smith, even what they could potentially get from the guys that are on the roster right now, the young guys, and Nick Plummer or Khalil Lee. Do we really think any of them are giving the Mets better at-bats than what they're getting from J.D. Davis? I think if we talk about what this team is, passing the baton, taking your walks, all these different things, J.D. Davis really is the best internal option outside of maybe seeing another young guy come up because you have Mark Vientos, who is tearing the cover off the ball in Syracuse. You have Francisco Alvarez tearing the cover off the ball in double-A, and they have that home run pop. So maybe by the end of the season, one of them separates themselves and makes themselves a viable DH option that brings a little bit more with that home run pop than Davis. But that's still a little bit farther away, and you don't know how a rookie's going to perform. With Alvarez, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think that that's really a realistic outcome. Um, I know there's a lot of noise right now that he wants to be in the majors this year, and he's certainly doing an incredible job the last month and really the last couple of weeks just hitting a ton of home runs and really making an argument for himself to at least get promoted to AAA by year's end. But I think they're going to slow play it when it comes to his development. Vientos, I still expect to see at some point this season, and I could see him grabbing the job from JD. But currently, the way he's hitting over the last couple of weeks, it makes sense to ride out the hot hand for as long as he continues to hit over 350 like he has over the last couple of weeks here um, and see what you have with JD because, again, he's a, a functioning cog in a really good offense right now. The one other ar argument I might make is that I still prefer – to see Guillaume in the lineup over Davis. You look at their numbers over this hot streak for JD and Guillaume has still been better while he gives you that plus defense. And I think that Eduardo Escobar, unlike JD, could tap into that home run pop again. He has a, a much greater pedigree of doing that. So, you know, I, a couple weeks back, or I don't even know how long ago back at this point, I talked about the prospect of playing Louis, Louis Guillaume every day at third base um, and DHing Eduardo Escobar. I still think. That's the best nine the Mets can roll out right now.
But because the way Buck Showalter mixes up at bats, everyone's going to get time. You're going to play 10 or 11 anyway. Um, and so I think that JD is squarely in the mix until one of those prospects maybe establishes themselves or if the Mets decide to go in a different direction at the trade deadline. Uh, for now, though, it's JD's job to lose. Anyway, I want to preview what lies ahead against the Milwaukee Brewers in just a minute, but whether you're ready to pop the question or if you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams with Blue Nile as they have simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, the size, and the clarity as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Celebrate lies special moments with fine jewelry as Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Mets listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive does include engagement and with the code locked on, again, that's code locked on, you can get that deal. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace by going to BlueNile.com today. Looking at the Milwaukee Brewers season, they are certainly going through a rough patch. They started the year 15 and 7 in April. They were 32 and 18 through their first 50 games, but they have lost 10 of their last 12, and they had an eight-game losing streak mixed in there. So definitely not the best time to be a Brewers fan. And for the Mets uh perspective, a good time to face them. Their team OPS of 638 over the last 15 days is ranked 29th in baseball, and their 49 runs scored is tied for the fifth worst mark among all MLB teams. Christian Yelich has been their best qualified hitter over that span, and he has a 702 OPS. So that's not great. I think that the Mets offense is certainly better than the Brewers offense. We would have said that even at the early parts of the season where the Brewers were finding more success, and certainly that's even more of a case now. You look at the pitching matchups, and this is where the Brewers could have an edge, but you're only really seeing Corbin Burns of the Brewers elite starters. I look at Brandon Woodruff, uh, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns. That's the trio that went coming into the season that uh, I had ranked, I think, is it the best rotation in baseball? I'm pretty sure I had them as the best rotation in baseball when I ranked them for uh, just baseball in some of our preseason work there. Um, you throw in, um, the lefty that's now escaping me, uh, Eric Lauer, who's had a, a really good year as well. The Mets are missing a lot of those guys. In the first game, they're going to see Adrian Hauser. Uh, it's going to be Chris Bassett versus Hauser, and Bassett in desperate need to turn his season around. Just had a really dreadful West Coast trip, has struggled against the likes of the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres this year, and that's inflated his stats. Off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure his ERA against those three teams is 10 7 and his ERA against the rest of the league was somewhere under 2-5. So hopefully that's a trend that continues. And now that he's facing a team from the NL Central, Bassett goes back to being the guy that we've seen who can flash ace potential at times. But you're looking at his season now based on those bad starts. He was a 4-3-5 ERA, which is worse than Hauser at 3.92. Hauser has given up five runs in two of his last three starts, so he's not in uh, the best stretch uh, of games either. 
You go to game two, huge advantage Brewers. The reigning Cy Young, Corbin Burns, with his 2.48 ERA, goes against David Peterson. Uh, Burns has not made it out of the fifth inning, though, in his last two starts. I had a couple of rough outings there. But you look at his number for the season, Hardy has 92 strikeouts. His 11.39 strikeout per nine is the fifth best mark in all of baseball. The guy is an unbelievable pitcher. I'm looking forward to watching him as a baseball fan. But if you're talking about the Mets' chances against him, uh, not looking forward to that necessarily. And Peterson, uh, we'll see what he does. This could potentially be um, one of his last starts in the rotation. Maybe gets one more turn after this, depending on when Max Scherzer starts his rehab. It does appear like Scherzer has gotten the edge on DeGrom when it comes to his return here somehow. Um, Jacob DeGrom not yet ready to face live batters. I think Scherzer is trending a little bit closer to doing that and getting back out there. Um, the final game, Aaron Ashby versus Tyler McGill. And that also sets up Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker to open the next series. So the Mets have already showed their cards, announcing their next five starters of how they're lining things up. Uh, Williams back in the bullpen, likely expected, I would imagine, to maybe get some bulk innings on either the Peterson or the McGill start, depending on how they go. Um, you know, Tyler McGill this season has a 4.50 ERA. A lot of that due to his struggles right before he hit the IL. Meanwhile, you got Aaron Ashby, who has a 3.91 ERA and is a lefty. Now, I'm going to say this because it's been working recently. The Mets have been terrible this year against left-handed pitching, and you always are concerned when they go into a game against a left-handed starter. Now that I got that caveat out of the way because you don't want to break the juju, I will say that recently the tides have turned a little bit. Uh, over their last nine times facing a left-handed starter, the Mets have won eight of those games. Uh, they tagged um, – or they beat two lefties over the weekend against the Angels. And, you know, across that West Coast trip, if you think about their wins, you know, beating Julio Urias um, and others, uh, Blake Snell was another one. They've been doing a little bit better now, changing that narrative when it comes to how they can fare against left-handed pitching. So we'll see if that holds up against Ashby, if that's potentially a rubber match game. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the last time out for Ashby, he got tagged for six runs against the Washington nationals and again he has a 391 era on the season right now the brewers are technically the second place team half game back from the cardinals the mets are obviously still a first place team big series for the mets before the marlins come into town Be great to at least take two or three and then uh, try to beat up on the vision a little bit more over the weekend as always thank you for listening make sure you follow rate and review wherever you get your podcast make sure you follow me on twitter at finkelstein ryan follow the show at locked on mets Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.